Hey, everybody, welcome to Be Significant. We're so excited you're back uh, listening to us and being a part of our conversation, and we love having you. How are you doing, Miss Cook? I am doing great. I heard that you were a little bit of a, a model over the last few days. Tell us a little bit more about that. Beth, you could drop me into a, a pond with eels and <laughs> sharks. Um, you could tie me up and lather, lather me with honey and hang me from a tree. And it wouldn't be as torture as making me take pictures and being, being in front of a photographer. Um, for my book and for my website that we're building, uh, I had to reluctantly get some pictures taken this last week. And I was really lucky. I picked a photographer named Tony Lemma and she's an old student athlete, her and her husband are students. She's not old by any means. She's a young student, athlete, but she's a mom and she's getting into photography. And I found her online and just loved her. She was so good and um, made me look like a human being, and um, which is really hard to do. Yeah. You talk to my wife and my daughter specifically, they just will take a picture and they'll look at the picture and go, they'll go what, what are you doing? I go, is this just my natural face? <laughs> So I'm so uncomfortable taking pictures. So um, I had to sit there for an hour and pose and, and she just, she got me relaxed somehow and got me to take, I think she took about a thousand shots and I think four of them are usable. So we're excited about. Well, that's a decent percentage then Matt. Yeah. <laughs> that's about right for me. Right. <laughs> I'm not photogenic either. I think I always joke with my friends, like the best pictures are very candid and usually yeah. after I've like been playing volleyball or camping for a few days and right. haven't showered and I'm wearing a baseball cap. So mostly I'm covered up and then you take a picture. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baseball cap is low. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. So it, it ended up being fun. I ended up enjoying it and I'm, I'm excited about it. Get, get some, just trying to get our, the website done and uh, be able to get it out there. There's a, Lots of things I'm doing and lots of things you're doing. So just part of the process, I guess. How's that coming along? Uh, the timing on the book. Do we have a, a title, just a working title? Yeah, or we're, we're pretty locked in with the title. We still have a little flexibility. We've got about a week where we can still play with it. But I think we're locked into significant recruiting, a playbook for prospective college athletes. I think that's what it's going to be called. So significant recruiting is the, the, the headline and um, it's a playbook for uh, for prospective college athletes. So it's for parents. The audience is moms and dads with middle schoolers and high school athletes, and it's going really well. We're we're in copy edit stage, and we'll go to graphic design and graphic design over the last two weeks of July, and then marketing and advertising until then. So everybody that's listening to the podcast will eventually get so sick of hearing about the book that they won't even want to read it. So. I think it's going to be great. How have you enjoyed the process? I mean, it's so much work and it's something you've been thinking about for years and now it's finally coming to fruition. How's the process? Going it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's stressful. You know, I, I, I basically quit my job to do this um, and to devote myself to it, to do it right. So um, luckily I have a, the wife of the year and in the world and two great kids and they've been very supportive, but it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, it's, uh, you know, by the time people are listening to this, they've probably heard um, our podcast with um, Kat Margulis, who 
was my book coach through this process. And Kat just made the process easier for me. She really simplified things, made it efficient. She, she really knows how to push my buttons to, in a good way, in a positive way. And I'm not sure I would have gotten it done as quickly as I have. And it, I don't think it would have been near as, as, uh, as good as it's become without her. Um, you know, my wife has been a big part of it too. My wife's a great editor. Um, if there's anybody that owns their own publishing company or magazine or paper, you probably should call my wife because she's an amazing editor all by herself. So um, Kat has been really been able to just polish the book and, you know, make little changes here that have turned into really significant positive additions and, and edits. So, but it's been, it's been, it's been one of those things that I just needed to finish. I needed to get this done to know that I could do it, you know, and at the end of the book, I have my acknowledgements and I thank um, one of my high school English teachers and three of my college English teachers for being patient for 30 years. For me to <laughs> finally use all the great things they taught me. So, yeah, it was fun. That, re that reminds me of a good advice where you have professors and teachers, they see something in you that you don't see in themselves. And it reminds right. me of our guest, um, Dr. Andy Lynch, where he was talking a little bit about trying to figure out what he wants to do. And then he had one professor says, I think you should do this. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about our guest. Matt. Yeah, Andy, Dr. Andy Lynch has been a friend of mine for over 20 years and just one of the best people you'll ever meet. Um, if, if you get a chance to just talk to him on the street or have a meal with him or play golf with him or be lucky enough to be in one of his classrooms, you're going to leave feeling better about yourself. You're going to be smarter. And Andy's just a really smart guy. He's had great experiences. Um, and he's been at the kind of the conception of, of online learning from the beginning, from the early 2000s. And, and he's really had to take that learning to a higher level through COVID um, when kids couldn't be in the classroom for a year or two, um, what he's learned. And uh, I think our conversation is going to be really impactful for a lot of those people that are going to college for the first time, or maybe you're thinking about going back to college. And I think it's going to motivate them and wake them up. But yeah, it was, it was, I had a blast talking to him. How did, how did you feel getting to know him for the first time? Well, A, he's just a joy. He's so funny and um, he gets you to relax and, you know, you could just hang out with him. I definitely would love to go to a pub with him or a game Yeah, to um, just spend time with him. Um, and then just, I think, relevant. Like, I think he's the type of professor that I loved when I was in school where they wouldn't just teach textbook and academic, yes, and, but they would really also apply it. So you're not only thinking, okay, is this history, am I ever going to use this when I get out of here? And he's the type of professors like, yes, and let me show you how, and makes it relevant and makes it current and gives real life examples and brings real business professionals from the outside into the classroom to speak to how this is all relevant and will still make sense when you get out and if this is something you want to do. So I love that. And, and then his perspective on having to be a little bit more intentional around, again, we're hearing the big theme of, you know, mental health and wellness and, and really making sure that he's in tuned with all of his students, which is definitely an investment of time, but an important investment of time. So, I mean, he's fantastic. It's amazing how, how many times in our conversations, mental health's coming up, isn't it? 
agree. From yeah. all different worlds, professors, yeah. doctors, teachers, presidents, you know, business people, corporate corporate giants are all talking about the same thing that they have to just be more and more cautious about it and conscious of it. So, yeah, I thought Andy's comments were were really good on it, and and again, I'm, I'm glad there's people like Andy in the world that are thinking about those things and recognizing those things before they become bigger issues. So yeah, we're excited, my friends. Um, enjoy Andy Lynch. Dr. Andy Lynch, welcome to the Caddyshack podcast. It's great to see you. Uh, actually, this is the B significant podcast, but you and I could talk Caddyshack till the cows come home. But how are you, my friend? How's life in New Hampshire? Excellent. We just ended two weeks of solid rain. So I've put the boat away. We're thawing out a little bit or drying out, I should say. But yeah, good to see you. It's been a, a decade or two since we put words together. Way too long, way too long. And and uh, my co-host and I, Miss Cook, we're, we're excited to have you and excited to um, let our audience know all that is going on in online learning and marketing and all the great things that you're you're a pro at. Uh, just to give some context to our audience, you and I kind of came up together through the world of higher education. And I've always been frustrated with higher education, even though I love it, how slow the decision-making process can be. And, and you've always been that guy that seemed to be able to let all that roll off your back and, and you've stayed positive and continue to grow your program. What, uh, I think your ability to stay focused on finding joy in the classroom, you know, you, you've always been a popular professor wherever you've been. Um, what does that attitude and your ability to move forward, where does that come from? Is, is, is that natural for you when you're in that university spectrum? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think uh, it all kind of came back to my original decision to go get my PhD when one of my former professors said, hey, I think you'd be great in the classroom. And I think she halfway joked because I was a goof off at her <laughs> classes, uh, but she gave me some opportunities to adjunct and kind of to be myself. And um, it, I got a positive response and that kind of urged me on to go, hey, maybe this is I'd rather get people excited about going into the industries that I was uh, interested in, such as athletics and marketing and advertising. And then it translated uh, you know, pretty well. And I've always kept one thing in mind as I teach, I've never wanted to be that guy um, with teaching from parchment or wearing those plaid jackets with the big patches on the elbows, sucking the pipe and going, oh, Muffy, this is what we're talking about today. I've always thought, hey, if I can bring something new, and especially to a lot of the classes where uh, they might not all be marketing uh, folks, you know, they're just business uh, students or they're taking me for an elective. And if I can introduce uh, something new, and I've always said, if I can get them jazzed about one or two things each semester, then mission accomplished and I'll keep doing it. If uh, I don't do that any longer then I need to uh, maybe work on my terrible golf game a little more. <laughs> Tell me how you got into like interested in the marketing world. I mean, were you always in your mind's eye when you started before you got to test out the professorship Were you you're going to go work for a big ad agency? That was kind of your dream goal or, you know, what, how did you get into the marketing aspect? I wish I had a great story like that. I'll tell you, I, <laughs> I was the last of nine 
Um, oh so I God. saw my brothers go off to college and make less than great decisions in their first few years. And I said, wow, I'm not sure I know what I want to do. I don't want to waste a bunch of money. So I went to the Air Force. And mm. luckily, when I was stationed in the Air Force in Midwest City, Oklahoma, we were near Norman, Oklahoma. So guys that I served in the Air Force with, we would go to football games. Uh, and I, was a, I always played sports, basketball, baseball, soccer, and loved college athletics. And honestly, sitting in the stands in Norman, Oklahoma, I said, if I ever get out of the military, knock on wood, safe and sound, I want to be an athletic director. And part of that spawned into working in athletics as an undergrad when I got out of the military. And it kind of veered into promotions and um, game day events, those types of things. And then I went into student services where I would help tutor athletes. So I got the full range of motion there in terms of uh, things going on in athletics. And then uh, once I graduated, I ended up into the advertising realm when I worked with a Tracy Locke advertising agency in Dallas. And mm. Tracy Locke is the ad agency that handles uh, PepsiCo accounts. So long story short, I still really wanted to get back into athletics. Um, I went into the ad agency business for a while. Then I got my first division one marketing director job at Southeastern Louisiana University. Wow. And um, that's when my professor called and said, hey, would you be interested in um, teaching? And next thing I know, I was teaching. And then I took another job uh, with the Zimmer Radio Group and was their marketing director. They were handling the Kansas Jayhawks and oh, wow. a bunch of other uh, properties. And I couldn't handle it all. I had to devote my time either to marketing or I had to finish academics and see what was going to happen there. And uh, one of my professors I ran into one summer, he, I said, hey, I've got this job opportunity I might have to leave the PhD program. And he basically said, well, do you see what I'm doing? <laughs> and I looked at him behind the desk and he really wasn't doing anything. I think he was reading the paper in the middle of the summer. And that's all he said to me. And I, I got the message clear and I turned down the job, finished my PhD. And now I've, I've, I've tried to stay involved with athletics as I, that's how I met Matt, uh, but still enjoy the classroom. Um, and, you know, trying to bring new things or trying to at least keep up with what's going on in the marketing world. And were you originally from Texas? You mentioned Dallas as where you got one of those jobs at the advertising company. Were you originally from Texas or? No, I'm, I'm originally from the, the home state of the great St. Louis Cardinal there it uh, is. baseball. I, I teed you up on that one. <laughs> yes, thank you. No, I grew up in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is about hour and a half south of St. Louis, about two hours north of Memphis. Um, so grew up Midwest boy, proud Cardinal fan, even though we just aren't doing what we need to be doing this season. <laughs> let's, let's hope it continues. <laughs> anyway, uh, you are uh, the chair of the marketing department at Southern New Hampshire University, which many people, and I think you included, would say it's probably the top online learning facility in the United States, right there? I, I would make an argument, yeah, we are, I mean, in terms of enrollment and just infrastructure, I mean, we are a campus-based institution, but right. uh, many folks would probably recognize or align us more with the online uh, learning. Right. 
T tell us about, because you were at the precipice of online learning, I would say. You, you, were, you were really at the beginning of it 20-some years ago. How, when you look at online edu education, you, you, we talked about the COVID years. Where is online education headed? Because we're seeing a decrease across the country in enrollment. How big a role is online education going to take next 10 years? I, I think it's just going to continue to grow. I, I think, uh, you know, I've been at the beginning it's at SNHU when we were arguing over shared governance. Maybe some of the listeners have heard those nasty terms where you're trying to decouple, you know, what traditional teaching on the fact from faculty on campus, but then you're also trying to duplicate that or come up with new standalone programs online. And, you know, fast forward to COVID when we went to remote, oh, uh, you know, we were pretty well equipped to do that. Um, not all campus faculty teach online and vice versa at our institution. But I think the big thing that changed, because I think we were all totally remote, maybe two years, all told, um, students were forced to either, you know, work with me or with the traditional online delivery. And I think I read something getting ready for our chat, um, six and 10 campus-based students uh, are enrolled in at least one online course now. And I think in the last eight years, the percentage of online students, you know, has doubled. Uh, at least I know what we're seeing. Uh, we've uh, continually changed what we do with the online space. But in the last few years, we've actually aligned our term structures. And that wasn't always the case. So without getting in the weeds, we might have eight terms online. And then we have the traditional three terms, fall, summer, spring in, on campus. And they didn't always have the same start dates. Okay. Well, now we've done a whole makeover. So when you see those ads that say we have 200 programs, we have 200 programs between grad and, on, and graduate program, undergrad and grad online. But we also have most of those that we offer on campus. And students now have the ability to live on campus. And honestly, they never have to take a campus course. They yeah. could be a campus wow. student and take their whole 12 hours, 18 hours, whatever online, or they can mix and match. Um, so we're reaching some economies of scale there. And the big thing is servicing the students where over COVID, what were students doing? They started working more. They got used to doing more online or at least asynchronous or synchronous work. Now that they're used to it, maybe because they were forced into it, and they're used to making money and they're used to the flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing, at least with our campus students, a lot of them, they might not be taking all of their courses online, but they might want to take um, a certain block of them or maybe even take a semester off from campus courses. So it frees them up to go travel or do whatever. So at least for us, I see only growth. Um, and like we said, you know, before we jumped on the, on the call, uh, I think a lot of universities are going to have to make some tough decisions about what their portfolio, you know, looks like. Um, I've my dissertation, a lot of my research has to do with branding, and I've kind of, I like being cynical about higher education sometimes, like higher education is no different than McDonald's. You know, you have a customer, you have a menu, they like what they see, they might upsize it, they might want to buy it from multiple locations. Well, 
sounds a lot like higher education these days. And the universities who can't pivot or offer those options to, I call them the 90 percenters, those 90% of students who probably aren't looking at the Ivy Leagues, you know, they want to get an education, they're trying to better themselves, they're trying to get that first degree of the year of the, you know, of their family, or get a degree to, you know, get a, um, a, a better job. We're all fighting for those same students. Right. And the more accessible and easier we make it, um, the harder it's going to be for a lot of those institutions who are on the same page, you know, to compete. So that's kind of my crystal ball. Andy, how do you, for those institutions that are kind of on that precipice of, we know we need to consider a little bit more online, some, some more strategic partnership than what we originally had. How do you get the faculty to support that when there's, you know, historically a big, large tenured faculty that has, here's how we've done it. This is what education looks like. So any ideas or advice you would give to those institutions to really sell that next layer of revenue stream, frankly? Yeah. Um, well, I think if everybody's familiar with the word politics, um, you can't really decouple those with any existing institution. So I would say you have really two roads. You have a road where if you can have very persuasive leadership and a collaborative kind of culture where the full-time faculty who want to be involved can be involved and contribute to an online version. And when I mean online version, not just giving you my PowerPoints that I use on campus. I mean, you need to buy in with subject matter experts, instructional designers, and have that investment or, and shared governance works that way so that when online creates a, a program, it's blessed by the faculty senate or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the other model is you decouple it and you have two parallel structures. You have campus and you have online and online can run with it. And, you know, I know from our history at Southern New Hampshire University, um, like Matt was talking about, things don't happen very quickly on a campus. In an online environment, we can A-B test certain programs and it might cost you know, a certain amount of money to start up to advertise it. But if we don't hit certain enrollments, we can turn on and turn off a program mm -hmm. within a couple term cycles. Uh, on campus, we might start a program. It might take us five years to cycle in in out of a program because we're having to teach out those programs. So mm -hmm. I, I would say, you know, you got to have the right leadership. You got to have the right culture and you got to have, if you want to get in the game, if you're just starting right now, you've got to have some big pockets or be extremely targeted on what programs you're going to offer because I, I, I've seen them both ways. There's schools out there that might offer two or three programs and that's what they push. We have over 200 programs. Um, again, who's your audience and what are you trying to accomplish? Um, but if you don't get buy-in at that, at the academic level, you know, from those academic vice presidents and get buy-in from faculty that you're gonna have, um, you know, the same product, regardless of where that student's gonna come in contact with it, you're just, you're gonna run into some challenges. Yeah, that's... One of the challenges that I, I see with so much online learning is, and I've always been a promoter, obviously as a coach and a recruiter at the college level, 
of how the value of living on campus and, and what you get out of maturity and mental growth and collaboration and dealing with conflict. Are you seeing any obstacles that are coming out of so much online learning when kids aren't living on campus? Are you seeing kids struggling with their with their maturity and being able to deal in groups and things like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would say, you know, you know, whether it's athletes or non-student athletes, um, you know, they're offered afforded a lot more flexibility now because the rules have been lower as long as they're enrolled. Like I said, a student athlete could potentially take their entire coursework online, but still live in the dorms. Right. But, but you'll notice in the classroom, it probably took me up till this year. So I've been back in the classroom for two years after COVID. It was a year just to basically re-understand what the students were going through because they were used to an online environment that treated every course maybe maybe the same, or maybe they had five different experiences. And then we get back into a classroom setting and they're basically having to relearn what they unlearned for two years in terms of socializing. And we see that a lot from, you know, there's there's dips in traffic at the dining halls uh, because that used to be a hangout and people would normally do that three times a day. Uh, during COVID, a lot of folks didn't see the value in maybe being on campus if they were taking online classes. So a lot of the dynamics have changed, but, you know, the student athletes have a, an advantage you know, they're around each other during season and training. Um, I noticed in the classroom, from my perspective and my experience, there's a lot more isolation and the anxiety levels of students. It's not just a, I used to think, I go, okay, maybe we're over-exaggerating. We may not be putting enough emphasis on it. I mean, the, uh-huh. student, the student group that I'm seeing if it, if it was a concern before, multiply that by 10 to, to 50 times. And that's just at a under, both undergraduate and graduate level. They're just, they're, they handle the classroom and the stress and the rigor much differently than they did pre-COVID, in my experience. It's, it's amazing how many people Beth and I have talked to in the last couple of weeks on the podcast where mental health continues to be that recurring theme. It's getting worse and we're not targeting enough. We're not talking about enough. We're not thinking about enough. And it seems like that's just, I love what your president's doing by making it such a centerpiece that yes, online learning is our, is a big part of our focus, but we want kids on campus. We don't want to lose that. No, no, there's definitely a value to that, but we also understand there's a lot of different audiences out there. I mean, we've all had a higher education background, you know, we're still drawing from the same 150 mile radius. So kids, if they're on campus, they can go home, wash their clothes, see their high school friends, but still right. feel like they're in college in a way. Right. Uh, but then the online, you know, that audience is much different, has a lot of different needs. And, but it's been interesting. I mean, you as a coach, you both have coaches have coached certain environments, you know, I kind of like to light a fire under my students, you know, challenge them a little bit. And I'll be honest, I've had to downshift a few times uh, when I go, wow, had I done that, you know, five years ago, people would have maybe reacted much differently. And now you you really have to be, be careful of who's in the room just because 
there's a lot of sensitivities out there that just weren't, you know, five years ago. That's that's about the best I can put it. Yeah, and I was going to ask, I think it's important. So what have you learned, again, considering marketing, considering your target audience, you know, how you have to adapt and pivot as you're growing that audience when you're actually in the classroom with some of those students, whether you're doing an online or an in-person, and there's probably a method for both. What are you specifically doing to really try to understand the student population in which you're educating and then reach those different motivational points up to and including anybody that has that high anxiety or they're having some, you know, integration wellness type issues that are are very important for them to be able to be successful. Yeah. And I think there's your audience probably has a variety of backgrounds. Some of them are true academics, some of them are industry. And I like to think I'm the last one to buy into academics and wave that flag. That said, um, I have bought into, you know, we're not even calling students students anymore. They're learners. And depending on what office you talk to on campus, they're not even learners, they're our customers. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about the customer journey. And I've had to re rethink a lot of the things I do, but one of the things I've tried to incorporate a little bit more is part of my syllabi is I'm meeting with my students at least once or twice a semester. We don't have to talk about class. I just need to know what's going on with them and whether or not they're box checking my class, which I call box checking. They yep. need it because it's a an elective or it's a gen ed or whatever or they're really interested in it. And then what I'm trying to get to, as long as I have the bandwidth, is trying to cater those learning experiences where they can show what they're learning. But maybe for a you know learner A, that's gonna look a lot different than learner B. My challenge is if I'm teaching three sections of 25 kids, students, learners, consumers, whatever you want to uh, title them, my bandwidth, I haven't figured that one out yet. You know, uh, we always want to treat everybody as an individual. Um, even with AI, artificial intelligence, I'm not sure I can service 75 individuals the way I want in a 16-week term. Mm -hmm. That said, the, the idea that we're having this discussion is light years from where I was pre-COVID. I was like, this is what you need to do. I'm here, Make you make the time to come meet with me and I'll be happy to help you, but I'm not gonna chase you down. Now I've, I don't say I've evolved, I'm still the same <laughs> good or bad person, uh, but I do recognize that there's a lot of students out there that have a lot of, lot of needs that probably I wasn't aware of or maybe not paying attention to maybe as, as little as five years ago. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to switch it a little bit, um, and, but still keep you in the classroom. What I loved about, I, I did want to be, I didn't do any professional um, roles in this, but I did want to be the Super Bowl ad person. But then I realized after I graduated, because I had a double major in business and psychology and psychology, I was like, wow, because they literally manipulate you constantly in advertisement, constantly. It's such a psychology game. So I was so interested in how does a person get sucked into that? And that's why I really, I, I tacked on psychology as a major, but emphasis in marketing. And then I found some of the jobs you had to do to actually earn any decent money. It's like, I mean, years and years away, I was stuffing envelopes kind of, I, I decided not to take them because I was like, I could have done that in high school. So I was out, you know, um, pretty early in the game, but 
you know, now advertising and marketing is different. So what are you doing to, to excite those students to, you know, think about digital marketing, think about like, there's the whole influencer world of go on TikTok and you can make a million dollars or just have an idea. I mean, talk to me about how you're bringing in more modern techniques and ideas to the classroom to get these learners or customers excited about, you know, what they could do in the world. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I used to teach copy and design mm. and I was not a graphic designer uh, by any stretch of imagination, but I, I did enough, you know, to get them through headlines, copywriting and, you know, basic design. Right. And I would always tell them, I go, you're not going to start doing Super Bowl commercials or even magazine layouts or heaven forbid newspaper ads back then. Um, but you find out what they're interested in and you find out uh, what projects might align with them. Mm. So uh, recently, I'll be honest, this uh, AI stuff, if you want to be a copywriter, I mean, you guys are trying to promote uh, this great podcast. Uh, you know, you can put a prompt in and say, give me 20 headlines to prompt insert X, be significant, blah, blah, blah. And it might not be perfect, but you just saved yourself three hours and maybe some social cocktails uh, <laughs> that you can now invest into something else. So my job right now is for those who want to go on the creative side of marketing, let them experiment with the tools and let them know basically what you just said. I thought I always wanted to be an athletic director. I was going to sit in the suites. I was going to have <laughs> drinks with everybody. We were going to high five, win championships. And I was going to do that. And next thing I know, I'm stuffing season tickets and envelopes. I'm out selling banners for a baseball game that maybe draws 50 people a game. <laughs> and at one point I was like, I'm basically selling ice to Eskimos and no offense to the Eskimos. And that's when I had to make my decision. So I try to show them what's out there and, you know, I can weed people out pretty quickly when we start getting into analytics. So, you know, I bring in some of the professionals that we have on our huge marketing team at SNHU. And we walk through some of the scenarios like AB testing. Mm. Uh, when we, you know, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, you know, whatever platform we're using, we'll walk through that and we'll have them jump into the databases to see how many click-throughs and get into the sales funnel. And then after their eyes gloss over and they're like, well, this isn't marketing. And I'm like, well, no guys, this is exactly what marketing is. Uh, and the beautiful thing is it's measurable. You know, uh, we used to sit under trees, get great ideas for commercials, go film it and go, hey, hope it works. Okay, yeah. now, now we can push content out there and we can monitor the results 24 seven. So I try to get them exposed to the tools that are out there. You know, some of them love to, to mess with, you know, video and everything else today. Uh, but the big thing is I go, okay, great. You made some content. How effective is it with the target audience? Mm -hmm. and, and how are you going to measure it? And when they start clicking, the, you know, making those connections, they decide, hey, am I a psychologist or am I a marketing strategist or an analyst? And, uh, you know, that I just continue doing that. And I'll be honest, you know, last three or four years, it's getting harder and harder to keep up. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love the idea. And I love that you're bringing numbers in. I was just talking to Matt earlier about just 
different um, corporations that are struggling with talent acquisition, trying to get the right, the right folks in the door. And I said, well, if you get somebody where you attract them on, they're like, oh, that looks interesting. They hit the apply. And then there's, they have to navigate. I was like, attention span, zero, right? They're, nobody wants to waste time. If you can't have the click right there and then right to the form, and they're just filling it out to get the information they need to be able to be considered for the role, you know, you've lost them. Like this one, I had one that somebody was like, I'm not sure what's going on. 15 different clicks. And still I was like, I don't, what's going on? So much copy, simplify, keep it simple. It worked back when we were kids, you know? I, I don't think I'll get in trouble with this, but I, I will give you a great example of where we are today and why we can't look back anymore. I mean, from a marketing, it will tie it in with higher ed. Somebody asked me, they go, I can't find um, such and such on a website anymore. And I said, well, how many people do you think are driven to the website to find out about you? No offense. Um and I go, let's just do a quick content analysis, go to the homepage, and what, what action do you think we're trying to do? And it becomes very clear. People aren't coming to learn about me, heaven forbid. They need to apply, get in the buying funnel. We're going to call them within an hour. We're going to follow up. We're going to assign you an advisor, and you're going to have that advisor from day one until you finish your degree, mm -hmm. okay? Be 20 years ago, oh, so-and-so looks interesting. I might go enroll in that program. Mm -hmm. It's a different audience and it's a different motivation. And yeah, the students and the numbers, they're either going to gloss over or they understand it's a business. And exactly. um, some folks get that in higher ed or any industry. Um, others get lost and you know fall behind a little bit, unfortunately. Let's, let's piggyback that, Andy. I, I'm, I'm going to ask a question for a friend. Um, let's say you're a young startup company. You're a first-time author, per se, or uh, started a new podcast. Uh, what, what advice would you give that random person? For I'll tell you what, marketing? everything I can see, I, I think a good example of how to a launch something like a, a podcast, I mean, a Be Significant is one I've really been paying attention to lately. But uh, you... <laughs> You gotta, you gotta be passionate about whatever you're doing first. And uh, I think the folks who are trying to jump in after they've seen other folks be successful and aren't really true to what they're trying to do are gonna fall by the wayside and lose their way. Um, I think you have to be, you need to be able to work, be willing to put the work in we have all these tools that we have access to, but if you're not following your numbers, I mean, not weekly, we're talking daily and maybe hourly and are able to pivot to, you know, build that relationship that somebody maybe just reached out for a comment. Uh, if you don't have the will to do something like that or have the infrastructure, I think you're falling behind. Uh, you know, you mentioned Tom's earlier in the conversation, they build relationships. Mm -hmm. so. I think about, I can't think of a unique product where there's not tons of competition. And then I think about why do I buy a product or a service over all of the competitors? And I think that answer is, is how comfortable they make me feel in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And they've addressed my needs, okay? Um, 
your the customer, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a new online university, if you have great content or great promotion, but you don't follow through when challenges happen with the customer, you're not going to last very long. Okay, um, <laughs> your uh, your return policy. We've all been there. How many of you have taken some? I'd say this in class. How many of you have taken something back to the return counter and they give you that face? Like, why are you even here? I can't believe you're trying to return this. But lately, that's changed, right? Even Amazon, I don't even expect for anything to fit anymore. I don't care. I'll buy it. My little guy delivers it. It doesn't fit. I'll send it back. Right. And now I, I trust that relationship. So Oh, I mean, obviously it changes for industry and whatever product that you're trying to do, but I really think that the folks who are trying to make a buck are going to miss the mark. The folks who are passionate, and I'm, I'm, I'm not joking with this, I heard your story about how you all picked your name Be Significant, and I liked the discussion on success versus doing something significant, and honestly, if you're doing something significant with all of the customers you, you touch, whether it's one, you know, for us, it's 156,000 online students right now. Mm -hmm. right. We're making some kind of significant impact in their life, whether you might have seen the story of somebody was just hit the age of 100 and finished their degree. And the advisor who was with that student delivered the degree to their home and they had a big party. It gives me goose pimple, goosebumps That's talking about it. And yeah. when you can make that connection, you know, it's easy when you're in the organization for so long, you might be cynical. Oh, we have the bus and we have all this other stuff. But when you really see what we're trying to do with these stories and trying to do it at scale like that, you know, it's not too hard to see that you're making it. We're making a difference in what we do. And for people who are starting off, I don't think you have to be the biggest but you have to be the best at whatever it is that you're trying to do. And it, there's no autopilot in starting something new, as you guys are probably, um, yeah. you know, figuring out. You, you got to put, put the time into it. And if there's an audience out there, you're going to see results. Is there something that your students struggle with the most when it comes to marketing, advertising, social media? Are there things when you're 17, 18 and you, you got the idea of marketing in your head and they sit in your classroom or they're online with you for the first time? Are there concepts that they think they understand that they really don't? If you're going to get into marketing, you wish they understood a little bit better or you wish they kept, were coming into your classroom with a with a better perspective? You know, no, I Marketing's not rocket science. I mean, it's amazing I've gotten as far as I've gotten. <laughs> oh, it's it's a great field. There's always something interesting. But the one, especially for undergrads, and I still remember I'm old enough, I'm old, but I'm still young enough to remember what it was like. You know, you weren't really checked in. You don't even know what you're doing. I think that what is it? The average undergrad changes their major six times. Right. So it's not so much skill you know, specific skills of being an effective marketer or advertising or a strategist. But what I, what I get frustrated with, and it'll probably never stop, is their, their desire and ability to problem solve or just critically think. Right. You know, no one knows anything. And it, it's as simple as APA style. 
we've all been in those writing classes where, you know, it's L ML MLA or Chicago. And I always ask, I go, who in here has memorized APA? And I go, good, because I would send you to a counselor if that were the case. All APA is, is a way to say, I don't know much, but I did the work to find the support right. for the recommendation I'm giving. It's going to change next year anyways. Exactly. And what's frustrating is, is, you know, as simple as a social media campaign. Okay. The first thing you are taught, I need to know who my target audience is, you know, the answer isn't, well, let's do social media. Okay, well, let's let's unpack that one there. Which platform do they pay attention to? Oh, who's your target audience? What age group? Can I find that? And I've even started teaching them how to do AI. I go, put a prompt in. Who's the target audience for Facebook? Is it you? Or I'll just ask them to raise their hand in class. How many of you use Facebook? And these are all 18 and 21-year-olds. Not too many. Snapchat, okay, you can't source that, but are you getting it? And they're like, oh, I get it. So it's just a natural curiosity. They, a lot of students want to get an A. They don't want to understand what you're really talking about yet. And I think that's just part of being 18 to 21. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I heard you talking about it in one of your previous podcasts. If, if somebody takes away one or two things out of a term, I, that's a win for me. You know, if they say Lynch talked to us about that when I was shopping for shampoo. Great. That's a win. Uh, if they can learn to find answers on their own without being so frustrated and just crawl in the corner until I give it to them, then we haven't done a really good job. So basically what you're saying, I need to delete my MySpace account. <laughs> <laughs> and get rid of your AOL email address. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure a lot of folks are pumping a huge amount of resources into the ad budget for MySpace these days. But I told you, Beth, we got to stop marketing on MySpace. <laughs> uh, Andy, it's I miss you, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You've, you've always been um, so enjoyable. I, wherever we've been, we've had a blast. And it doesn't matter if it's been 20 years or yesterday. I, it's great to hear that you're in the world. And you're still in front of a group of students every semester and making the world a better place. So uh, we've got a little rapid fire for you before we close this out. We want to we want to be able to share a little bit of you with our audience. Uh, if you're ready, we've got some questions for you and, and your answers can be as long as you'd like them. It's slow motion, rapid fire. So I'll let Beth get started if you're ready. All right, let's do it. Here we go. So what job would you do if you're not doing the one you're in? I, if I could be a golf pro, I would love it. I mean, I don't want to do any groundskeeping. I just want to meet people and, you know, maybe knock out nine to 18 holes a day. You're the second guest we've had that said the same thing. And I think I know about 15 other individuals that would say the same thing. They love it. I've got the wardrobe down. Just give me the opportunity. <laughs> oh, for you, for sure. You were going to say Cardinals broadcaster, but um, <laughs> What would you tell your 21-year-old self if you could go back in time? Someone asked me this not too long ago. I think I would have stayed in the military longer. Hmm. Um, I think I would have stayed in and I probably would have got my commission. And I don't know if I would have retired uh, in the military, but I think I would have I would have stayed in 
longer uh, in active duty than doing active duty than going into the reserve. Don't you find that the older you get in the military, it kind of becomes a professor's life? I, mean, I you're well, in charge of others, and yeah, and you know, I saw a lot of folks I flew around on AWACS with, and they retired at 38. Yeah, you know, after being in 20 years, that I see them on like their second government career job, and they're almost having like five pensions by the time they're 50. And I'm like, <laughs> right. And I'm teaching the four P's here in New Hampshire. And I was like, wow, could have taken a left turn when I took a right back then. But here we are. I love it. Outside of hours, which you've done so well advertising, what book or favorite podcast are you listening to now that you, you find significance in? I love, uh, it used to be called Celebrity Gold Mines, hmm. uh, but it's called Gold Mines now. And it's Kevin Hart's. Oh, yeah. Just listened to the one the other day. Great. I love it. I love it. When I go for walks or I'm on the treadmill, uh, I'll usually knock out one or two and, you know, get back to taking one or two things away. He's He pulls out some really cool stuff from his uh, interviews. And I, I enjoy it. I love the pun with the name. Mines is M-I-N-D-S. Yeah. And yeah. It, he started out with just doing comedian friends. Right. And he just expanded it, I think, last six months or at least this year. Yeah. It was great. Uh, what's your go-to movie? If, when, oh. What's the movie you go back to over and over again? Uh, it's funny. Nowadays, we're, we don't have the big, you know, boxy TVs anymore. Everything's Roku. Uh, and uh, my girlfriend always, you know, makes fun of it. But we turn the TV on and... Um, a Few Good Men and oh. Top Gun are always there. Yeah. And uh, now that Maverick's out, you there's usually a few good men right there. And then you see Top Gun original, then Top Gun Maverick. Right. Uh, just you can't, can't get enough. And then, can't of course, you know, Caddyshack. Yeah. I mean, Betty. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I actually like you, Betty. Yeah. We have a, a history with Cash Tag, but man, I thought about you when those new uh, Bud Light commercials, those, uh, uh, was it Michelob Ultra commercials? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was it all based the, on Caddyshack. Yeah. I don't think the heart stuff's coming down for quite some time. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I quote that all the time. I do that as well. I went back to, um, this is a few years ago now, but I went back to teach at a freshman seminar class and I asked the kids, it was like 1130. So I knew I was going to have to like wake them up. They're just getting out of bed. And so I tried to engage them right away by asking them a question, you know, and uh, silence. And so I was like, Bueller, Bueller. And they all looked at me and I was like, seriously, it's on a Super Bowl commercial. Come on guys. You know? And so I was like, oh, I lost it. Yeah. I was just about to mention that because at the beginning of every class, when it goes silence and the crickets and the mouth breathers open up, I go Bueller, Bueller. And then every once in a while, I, I see the guy go, <laughs> and I go, okay, I can still continue teaching. You they touched know. one child. That's yes. <laughs> That's all you need. I actually assigned it to some of the uh, folks that were on my team that were a little bit younger. And I said, okay, this is your homework this weekend. And like I did the whole John Hughes, you know, yeah. so like, here we go. This is what you got to do. Must see TV. Exactly. What's your go-to comfort food? Mm. Go-to comfort food. That's tough. Um, I mean, I'm a a pizza guy, definitely. Um, but a good a good burger, Five Guys. I can never go wrong there. And then uh, East Coast, it's not comfort food, but lobster 
Mm. I mean, Delicious. in the right place, boy. I love me some fresh lobster. Oh, the little lobster roll with just butter and toasted bun. Love mm. it. Yeah. All right, I'm I, I I'm taking a risk with this question. I'm going to make you president for the day. What would you, what's <laughs> of, the, of what? Ukraine. <laughs> what? Let's clarify, Matt. Well, you just turned fifty, so we go we go AARP. But okay. how about the president of the United States? You can change okay. that thing. What, and what about what was the question? You're the president of the United States. You can change one thing tomorrow. What would you do? Well, that loan forgiveness thing didn't go over well. Um, I'm a little, well, that's a little sensitive to me right now. Um, I can do one thing. Let's get the 4th of July on a weekend always, okay? <laughs> or extend the days off for everybody that lead up to it. There you okay. go. The 4th of July in the middle of the week is very un-American. Yeah. <laughs> and the productivity on a Wednesday following a Tuesday, 4th of July, I mean, that's up in Super Bowl territory. Okay. Andy or, Lynch, everybody. That's Andy Lynch right there. 2020. What's the next one? 2020. 2024. 2024. Early quarter. Yeah. Can... Keep, keep me in mind, people. <laughs> Here we go. Vote for president. All right. For anyone listening to this podcast, what currently is one piece of advice that you would kind of looking over the years of advice that you'd received and some of the lessons you've learned that you would now give to others on this podcast? Honestly, just, it's pretty simple. Think big and don't take no. Um, I think over my whole career, I've always been excited about something, you know, and if somebody who had been there forever didn't really like some kind of innovative new idea, I would keep floating in or figure out a way until somebody goes, hey, why haven't we brought this up before? Um, and then now I see in my wake, you know, I see Maryville University is a totally different place than when I was there, when Matt was there. And I, I applaud them. And when I taught overseas uh, in the Middle East, American University of Sharjah, I know very traditional when I got there and they started perking up and now they're taking chances and they're one of the leaders in the Middle East. And then I just got lucky, you know, going to SNHU where we've exploded here in the last 10 years. Uh, but it wasn't because, oh, we can't do that because we've never done it. It's mm -hmm. because I've been lucky enough to be around people that go, well, I'm not scared to fail, but we're not going to find out unless we try it. So I'm like, you know, try it. If, if you're passionate about it, you're going to find somebody who's going to support you. Um, and if you have a thick skin, don't worry about hearing a few no's that yes is going to be there. And that's going to make all the difference. Yeah. We just were on another interview and, you know, big advice from them is like, be curious as well. Um, and I think it, it goes right along. Like just ask questions. If something doesn't make sense, ask why, you know, and then if they're like, because this because we've always done it this way. Yeah. Don't let that be okay. You know, let's walk through it a little bit Absolutely. more. That's fantastic. Great. Thank you. Well, I, I think uh, Southern New Hampshire's admission just is just exploded. I think the phones are probably on fire at your admissions office right now. So you're oh, probably, I, I, a you're text probably... just came up. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to interview thousands of people right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
at a minimum, a vote for president for 2024. So you're getting those yeah. petitions. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that was a campaign contribution. That wasn't right. a prospective exactly. student. The GoFundMe page. GoFundMe page. Beth, Beth and I will co-chair your pack. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I need to find some kind of party that will embrace my lifestyle and, and beliefs. If you find that party, let me know. I'm joining. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, Andy, thanks for being a great friend and, and sharing your, your experience with Beth and I. We're, we're thrilled that you were here. We know you're going to continue to have great success. And um, I know if I'm an 18-year-old right now, I'm signing up for marketing classes at, at your school tomorrow. So um, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to have a lot of fun. Um, they're going to have somebody that cares about them, and, and they're going to get a significant experience. So thanks for doing this for us. We really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it. Beth, so nice to meet you. You as well. Matt, don't be a stranger. We'll get together. Yeah. Check out uh, those folks in Colorado I told you about. I will. I'll go I'll go, go. meet your nephews. I'm looking forward to them. Absolutely. And uh, and good luck with the podcast. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks, Thanks so much. Andy. Have a great week. All right. Take care. Take care. He's fun dude, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. That was great. I can... We should go out for those cocktails that he was talking about. Yeah. You know, that's sweet. I'd like to take him to the Cubs just on principle, but yeah. um, <laughs> that was great. I mean, what I love is that's the kind of a professor that you would want because yeah. they're, they're staying relevant. They're staying current. I think he's in marketing and his school is literally the investment that they're doing to market their, their kind of new revenue stream online is Crazy. fantastic. So he's got... I don't know. He hit, he hits all the marks. He was great. It, it made for me, you know, Maryville was my first head college job. And, you know, Andy was one of the first people I connected with. And we had a, there was a group of us professors and administrators, and we just had so much fun teaching and coaching and talking about it and uh, building relationships with the kids. And that's the great thing when you're on a university and you're working on a university the kids just keep you young, but you're surrounded by people that, you know, you, 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 any direction you walk on a university campus, there's, there's somebody that's an expert in something mm -hmm. that's spent their entire life on history, marketing, economics, and, and you learn so much by being on a college campus. And Andy's the epitome of that. And, and, and I'm not joking. If you get it, if, if you get a chance to take a class at Southern New Hampshire and you get a chance to be part of Andy's classroom, you're going to love it. You're going to learn a ton. And so it was fun, just fun getting to see him again. We haven't got to talk much over the last couple of years. So it's good having him on. I agree. Good guest. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and again, you guys are probably getting sick of this, but we love that we're getting to share great people with you. You know, Beth and I started this because we're, we have such great friends that have motivated us, inspired us over the years. And we hope you're enjoying getting to know them and, and uh, getting to love who they are as much as we do. If you have any requests, you have any referrals, you want to advertise on Be Significant, send us an email at be significant number four, letter U, be significant for you at gmail.com. Uh, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify. If you just want to listen to some old episodes or check out somebody you know or you've heard of before, um, they're all there for everybody. And, and we're doing this because we really want great things um, for the people that um, are in our lives and the people that are starting to be a part of our lives. So don't let life happen to you. Go make it happen. We hope your life is full of significance. 
and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.